You're listening to For the Readers, a podcast to invest in all those readers of Scripture proclaiming the gospel in their faith communities. Each week, we read the gospel text as set out by the Revised Common Lectionary and then offer what may be beneficial and formational for the reader, covering such things as aid in pronunciation, an exploration of context connections and curiosities, consideration of the passage's emotional tone and how this specific text may be read well and thus heard in a life-giving way, offering one possible view of what may be essential in the text, and then finally, we close with a prayer, poem, or some other piece that emerges in connection with our gospel reading. All this to offer greater familiarity and a deeper interconnection with the scripture, which can then become a fertile ground for the spirit to be transforming the reader and thus their community further into Christ-likeness. May Christ be formed in us. For the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, June 18th, 2023. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, so let's look at our text. We're in Matthew 9, 35. And before we begin, a quick reminder that um, that the, the aim here is not to do a little a little sermon, not to do a little homily, not sermonizing but trying to stay in the lane of looking at the text through the lens of how can we read this well and in life-giving ways for ourselves, but also so that we can be people who have been transformed by that which we are reading um, on Sunday when we when we gather together, or, or whenever we're reading this in community to each other. So, th- so that's the aim. Um, you know, not sermonizing is a little tricky for me, but, you know, I'm going to work on it. So, so reminder, that's what we're doing here. We're looking at it to figure out how we can read it so it can be heard life-giving well ways. 
So let's begin. Um, <clears throat> Jesus went about all the cities and villages. All right, we have we have Jesus going to all the cities, and this will be of particular importance to have this sort of dynamic sorted out because later on he's going to direct the disciples to only go to the Israelites, and we'll we'll tackle that when we get there. But we want to notice here that Jesus is going to all of the cities and all of the villages. And if we go to Matthew 4, we go back to Matthew 4, we'll see that it's actually almost the same thing, right? Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. It's almost the exact same um, same words. And then the what happens from that, verse 23, Matthew 4, 23, uh, Matthew 4.24 is that his fame spreads quickly throughout all Syria. Then they bring him his sick, um, diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cures them. And then um, crowds follow him from, from Galilee and Jerusalem, Judea, but then also from beyond the Jordan and the Decapolis, which has Jesus working with people who aren't, uh, who aren't Jewish. And what he's doing is he's doing two things, right? He's 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 speaking to their souls, he's healing their souls, and he's 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 healing their bodies. Um, the both things are happening. He's both he's addressing both types of needs. And when he sees the crowds that has have gathered, he has compassion on them. And it is worth thinking about because my first reaction to crowds is generally not compassion. Um, but but we see here. The healer of the world sees the crowds gathered, and what he has is compassion for them. And he, his compassion is it's derived from his seeing. He sees the crowd, he has compassion. And what does he see about the crowd? He sees that they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This would be one of the moments in our reading when we get here where um, the text can sort of turn into being words for us now. When I was doing Lexio uh, Divinia, listening prayer, uh, as we call it in our community, one of the things that happened for me was, as I was reading, I heard um, that I heard the Spirit whisper in my heart, I have compassion for you. All the things you're holding, I have compassion for you with. All the places, how you're feeling harassed and helpless, I have compassion for you there. And then it went further, I have compassion for them, for the ones that um, you're feeling some harassment from, the ones that are making you feel helpless. So it was this sweet moment where I heard that, that God has compassion for me, but it was also a reminder that, I'm, that, that God has compassion um, for those around me too. That might be hard for me. And this is one of those verses, this is, this is one of the, the spots in the reading. This is, this is a spot in the reading where read well, we can remind people of this truth, or we can, we can help remind them, um, or we can read it in a way where it is simpler for them to hear the Spirit say, uh, I have compassion on you. The Holy Trinity, that is God, loving presence, has compassion on them, on me, on you, on all of us. And now something interesting is going to happen here. We're going to pay attention to the disciples, um, apostles, and kind of the sequence and what's happening. Because you know, then, so after he he sees this, he's, he he turns to his disciples. But there's no um, th- there's there's no qualifier on what this means. 
right? In, in a couple verses later, we're going to have the 12 disciples. So I, I would suggest what he does in this moment is he's turning to all of the people, because there's more than 12 that follow him, right? He turns to all of the people who are following him, and he tells them, he says, see this, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he says, he's speaking to, you know, whoever's, whoever's in that crowd, which I think is safe to say is greater than 12. Then it says, then, he, then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. So there's disciples and then there's 12 disciples. That, and then in this moment, we see that the, that the 12 disciples that are part of the disciples now they they become something else. Um, they become twelve apostles, and so it's r- really helpful to recognize that we're talking about two groups of people here, and then one of them is going through. Um, they're becoming they're becoming sent people in this moment. This is the, the the moment where like their name changes, right? They're he calls the twelve disciples, and then he sends out the 12 apostles, which is functioning symbolically. We're thinking about Israel. Um, he, he gives them authority. And this is like a hearkening back to, to Exodus 19, to a reminder that their identity as God's people, as their identity of as covenant people, they are a sent people into the world, bearing the presence of God everywhere they go. And perhaps we too could use a reminder of our identity. We may be suffering from some forgetfulness of our own. We have forgotten we're sent people. We have forgotten we're the body of Christ, God's presence in the world. And so a prayer here, right? God, remind us who we are. Restore memory of our identity to us, that we are your image bearers in the world. Amen. Okay, uh, continuing. And so it's really helpful to recognize that we're talking about two groups of people here, and then one of them is going through, um, they're becoming, they're becoming sent people in this moment. This is the, the, the moment where like their name changes, right? They're, he calls the 12 disciples and then he sends out the 12 apostles. And, um, <clears throat> and what does he say to the big group disciples? He tells them to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the, his harvest, which I think is Jesus. I think Jesus is the Lord of the harvest um, because Jesus is about to send out uh, 12 apostles, 12 sent ones out in to, 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 be, to labor in, in, in the harvest. And the harvest is uh, sick hurting people. Because Jesus has compassion on them because he sees them. He sees that they're harassed and he sees that they're, they're helpless. So I think also this is a way of recognizing Jesus is saying to the whole company of his disciples to pray for and about this mission of sending that's going to happen, right? This is, a, this is saying, hey, pray, pray for these 12 um, that, that they're, they would they would go and they would go in healing, life-giving ways. <clears throat> and now we get into some of the, um, we, we get to a couple names here that might be hard to pronounce. Uh, you know, Simon, you know, Peter. Well, I assume you do. I'm assuming you know Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, uh, Zebedee. So Zebedee is James and John's father, uh, the, the, the father of sons of thunder. Uh, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, and then here's the first one: James, the son of Alphaeus. Alphaeus, 
James, son of Alphaeus, and then Thaddeus, Thaddeus, Thaddeus. And then we get to maybe the most uncomfortable one here, Simon, and he's from Cana. Simon's from where the um, where the where the Jesus turned the water into wine. Simon's from where Jesus turned the water into wine, Cana. So he's a Cananean. So we've got James, son of Alphaeus. We've got Thaddeus, and then we have Simon the Cananean, Cananean, Cananean. All right, um, not too terrible there. And so this is who Jesus sends out. And then, you know, we get here and we notice that he gives them directions to not go among the Gentiles, not to the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And um, for us, it's really, um, it's important to not hear this as Jesus playing favorites um, or even... While there's a while there's probably a few uh, while there's a few fine ways to to understand what we're reading here, what I would offer is as we saw in Matthew four that Jesus is is doing stuff wherever for whoever. If anyone comes, right, the invitation is to all come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Not come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and have the right mother and father, and I will give you rest. So what I don't think is happening here is we have um, Jesus flipping the hats and saying, listen, only go to these people. I think um, rather what's happening here is that these 12 who are sent are not ready quite yet to interact with people that are not from their tribe. They will be one day. Jesus is ready to do that. But for for them, they're only ready to people that they share a cultural heritage with. Okay, as a little bit of extra evidence here for that, re- you know, that reading of the text, if we go to Luke 9, we see that Luke 9, 1 has us roughly in the same place that Matthew has us here. He calls the 12 together, he gives them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases, and then he sends them out to go and heal. It's roughly the same moment. And then if we scroll down Luke 9 to tor- towards the very end, there's a Samaritan village that they make their way through that... Um, they they reject Jesus. They refuse to receive him. And uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the the sons of thunder, um, ask if if Jesus wants them. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? So I think part of what's happening here is we just see that that Jesus recognizes the level of maturity of the followers, and then the ask is always in line, or is always conscious or aware of. Uh, of those things. So he sends them out with the instructions not, not not to avoid certain types of people because they're bad or unclean or they're unworthy, but they're not ready for it yet, but they will be. <laughs> Let's close considering the description Jesus gives here of the good news they're being sent to proclaim. Uh, at the very end of the reading, Jesus says, as you go, proclaim the good news, the gospel, the euangelion, the, the, this is the ven- evangel. Um, go proclaim the good news. And we have a definition. We have a description here of what the good news is. The good news is simply that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's it. And I, I, I mean, first, such a good way to recognize what's happening, that, that this is what's going on in, in Christ, that the good news is the nearness of God that does good things 
to us and for us. It's healing. It's a healing presence. And what happens when the kingdom of heaven comes near is that hurting, broken, sick people like me, like you, are healed or, or we're in process of being healed. We're healing through the healing words and action of Christ and through the healing words and action of his sent body, the sent body of Christ, which is them and us. And if we just dip this back into them not being sent um, to Gentiles or Samaritans, I think there's also a way to recognize how we've been healed connects to our ability to be healing. Now, last Sunday's reading, we had Matthew, who um, Ephraim the Syrian uh, noted that we have Matthew being an apostle before he was an apostle, right? Because Jesus calls Matthew, says, follow me, and then cut scene. We're in Matthew's house with a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners there who there's really one explanation for how they got there, Matthew. Um, so so definitely order and timing and all of that stuff is to be held lightly. God does what God does. Um, but there's a, a way of making sure we notice that how, how we're healed affects how we can be healing. Now, why, why specifically notice this as we talk about this passage is um, it's the same with how we have encountered and read and made room for this story, the scripture, the word of God in our heart, and how we've made room for it in our heart will be, um, there will be a connection. It will, it will set a trajectory of how we will bring it forth into our communities. So we spend all this time noting this, um, getting ready, looking at it, considering it, so that we can bring good life-giving things from us as we read it. And I don't mean like a super dramatic reading worthy of an audible contract to do books on tape. I mean a heartfelt reading that has sincerity and authenticity in how it's being read. I don't mean a perfect reading. Um, it's fine to make mistakes. There's a story here. Um, this last Easter, one of the uh, one of our readers, when he got to Pilate, um, she read Pilates, and that was epic. It was that was that was so great. Um, we laugh about it today together. Um, we think it's super. It's just super sweet, and it just brought this beautiful moment of levity. And it was obviously not the right way to pronounce it. It, it, it to some would be like that was an imperfect reading, but it was an imperfection that did really good life giving things in our community. It injected some humor into to Good Friday, which, well, seems to be what the spirit did. We're not trying to get a perfect reading, just a sincere and authentic one that helps make room for the Spirit to be present in our community. That's what we're, we're doing here. That's what we're aiming at on the, the podcast is prepared, authentic readers. I've got something a little, uh, a little vulnerable to share with, with you all for the, the reading, that, that, uh, the, the more creative element that connects to this text. Um, I've started, um, I've been, various times in my life, I have been learning how to chant the Psalms. I want to do it. Music means a lot to me. And um, so I've taken the Psalm that's, that the lectionary, I've taken the Psalm that the lectionary prescribes this week. I've I've imposed a simple melody 
upon it. The psalm is, I mean, just the psalm is what a response could be from anybody who's encountered Christ, from the disciples to the 12 disciples to the, who become the 12 apostles to any of the people that meet Jesus along the way. This this section of Psalm 116 can be how we we respond. In fact, there's a there's a the the third section, the third third chunk of it. What shall I is uh, what shall I return to the Lord for all His bounty to me? Right, that's the question uh, to those who encounter Christ, to those who experience the nearness of the kingdom of heaven, who are healing. Um, is what can we return? What can we give back? How do we give back? Um, not not to pay for it, but to offer back. What can we offer back um, for all of the good things God's done for us? So here is me chanting um, a portion of Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication because he inclined his ear to me therefore I will call on him as long as I live what shall I return to the up the cup of healing and call on the name of the Of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. 